Hello and welcome to the next episode of the Fourth Space Checking In series. We meet up with Patrick Leitany, Concordia's public affairs advisor, to listen in on his conversations with Concordia researchers. This week, he sits down with Concordia researcher Scott DeYoung to discuss his board game, Lizards and Lies, and to give us his insights on why online falsehoods go viral and how they shape our relationships with social media as well as with each other. Thanks for listening. So let's, uh, you want to just jump right into yeah, it? Yeah, let's go. Okay, so Scott, thanks for joining me this morning. Um, I'm very excited to have you tell me about Lizards and Lies. Yeah. Um, so tell me about the game. What is it uh, and what are you trying to communicate with it? Yeah, so Lizards and Lies, for anyone who doesn't know, which was probably a lot of you since it's just about to release, is a board game um, that's talking about how conspiracy theory moves through social media. And so it's a project that came up about a year ago when I was taking a class on wargaming design um, and strategy design. And so I thought, well, instead of talking about like a real conflict, like a, you know, like a war that's going on in the world, let's talk about a war that's online, something like disinformation, something like fake news. And so I focus on conspiracy theory because it's a bit more tangible than that. People know conspiracy theories, people laugh about conspiracy theories. And so I went with that idea and I worked initially with like this wargaming design to eventually create, which is a little bit less than a traditional wargame for anyone listening who's like an avid gamer. Um, It's much more of a a tabletop uh, familiar game, I think, to some people that looks at how conspiracy theory is kind of moving through these networks. So we have, you know, social media networks and players are either moving conspiracy into those spaces or they're trying their best to stop it from gaining ground and uh, influencing the environment. And so you play through this um, election. We have like a little narrative that you can play through um, where you're trying to influence the population and influence kind of uh, who they'll vote for in the election to see what will happen depending on the the conspiracy theory that you're touting within uh, social media. Okay, great. And so when you demonstrated the game to me the other, um, I guess last week, you showed you showed how each player has a different role, a different title. Um, can you explain what those titles are and how, sort of, what their role in the game is and how it relates to sort of their their real life counterparts? Yeah, for sure. So for anyone familiar with board games, we would call this game asymmetrical, which means that every single player who sits at the table is playing a different character. They're playing a different actor around this kind of social media challenge of stopping conspiracy theory. And so um, this idea of like a war game, if we're still working with that notion, you have those who are trying to push information and those who are trying to stop it. And the actors reflect that. So when you play, you play as a group of four or maybe two, and it's a battle. So it's me and you perhaps are trying to stop two other players from spreading it, or you're trying to, you know, spread conspiracy and I'm trying to stop you. Um, and so the actors kind of came out in development of thinking through like, who are the actors if we're thinking about the digital landscape? Who's on social media trying to stop these things? And who's on social media trying to spread these things? And so sometimes these actors became a little bit more general than the actual names or individuals people might think of. But we ended up having six that we boiled down to four for the final game. And so those who are trying to spread it, we have um, just conspiracy theorists as kind of a bracketed um, group. We have what are called edgelords or trolls, um, which are people who are trying to like stir the pot, trying to just annoy people to make them engage with content. And those are the two groups that we settled on as like the the spreaders, those who are trying to kind of disinform or conspiratorialize uh, social media. And on the other side of things, you have your fact checkers and platform moderators, who are the people trying to flag content, block content, and kind of deal with the users on those platforms. Um, And then you have the digital literacy educators, which are like the teachers trying to help inform us how to fact check, how to critically think about these concepts. And 
the the characters are designed in a way that's supposed to reflect kind of the challenges of going about that. So if you're a digital literacy educator, you'll find that education takes time. So for the first rounds of the game, you're going to have a little bit of a tougher time dealing with the conspiracy theories that are going through because not enough users know how to handle it, know what the facts are, know how to look for themselves. But over time, you're able to kind of make more people aware and therefore use that to kind of hopefully stop conspiracy from taking too much of a stronghold. And the same goes for um, like the moderators, where if we look at moderators today outside of the game space, they're overworked, they're in precarious positions, the amount of content they have to deal with is endless. And so their job is typically quite frustrating and quite overwhelming. And so they have tools at their disposal, but it's hard to know which tools to use when. And so when they're using cards in the game or they're using their character-specific abilities, they're meant to kind of have to deal with that challenge of like triaging, of like, where do I focus my effort. Um, and the same on the other side, of course, right? So for the conspiracy theorists, there's kind of a, a goal around building up like a little pocket of supporters mm -hmm. and using that pocket to then proliferate out. So you kind of grow a little base um, that you try to grow from. Um, until it gets toppled and then you build a new one somewhere else. Uh, and the same for like the edgelords or the trolls, they're focused less on where the conspiracy is, but where the users might be more vulnerable. They look at setting up spaces that they know will react emotionally or they know will react to their content. And so each of these actors, um, hopefully when you play the game, you can see it. Um, there is an explanation of them in the rules document that is released with the game as well. But um, their, their goals are meant to reflect kind of the challenges that these everyday people outside of the game have by showing them inside the game as well. And how this is a game, uh, how do uh, how do the players win? What, what, what does the end game look like? So the end game, it's, uh, so it's not like a, where you, the end of the game, you count all the points. It's a game where as you progress in the game, either as a spreader or a stopper, you're counting points as you go. So at the end of every single player's turn, you look at the board and you go, well, how much do I own as like a spreader? How, much, how many people did I um, influence with my conspiracy theories? And so you'll get points depending on how successful you were on your turn. Um, and then over the course of the game, which in the one that we're releasing is three rounds, but you can play, I think, up to five or seven if you want to expand the, the scenario that exists. You'll see that you'll collect points each round and watch as kind of some people really gain a lot of points in their turn and other turns you're not going to get a lot. So it's really dependent on what you're able to do by yourself, but also with your teammate where you can kind of set them up to help you in your efforts to kind of consolidate. So it's one of those games where the end state is very fluid in the sense that there's like a push and pull um, because it's all about what you're able to do when you're up um, and then adjusting to the board state when it becomes your turn again. All right. So you've been working on this game for a year now. Um, what have you learned about how misinformation spreads online? Yeah, it's been a really interesting project because it, it came out of a class, as I said, and now it's like a research project for me where um, I've yet to put it into schools, which is kind of the future step of this game of like working with um, Sejeps here in Quebec to kind of see how the game functions in a classroom space. And I'm releasing a lesson plan with it. But for the past year, the research phase has kind of focused on these common analogies we use to talk about conspiracy theory or um, misinformation online and how it spreads. So the idea of like a disinformation war is something that someone might have come across in the literature. You'll see like journalists talk about we have to handle the battle for disinformation. And so that was a, a big kind of research question of like, do these analogies function when we start to simulate them within a game? Because a game functions as like a rule system, a space where we can set boundaries and explore what happens within those spaces. And so they function as good models or as good simulations. They're not effective. They're not 100% accurate, but they allow us to kind of test and push at the limits of what is working here. And so we looked at two analogies in the game. So I started with the wargaming stuff because that's where the influences were for me. And we looked at this idea of a battle. Um, and then we also looked at this idea of the 
infodemic, which obviously anyone who's lived here in the past two years knows about the pandemic and its influences on medical misinformation and the idea that we had, you know, a, a pandemic of misinformation at the same time as a, a global pandemic. And so we looked at these two ideas, one of battle and one of like virality um, in the game. And so through the research phase, we found that in designing the game, because what you do in designing is you'll make a prototype, you'll test it and you'll go, oh, no, this is this is not good. This doesn't work or this doesn't reflect what I want it to reflect. And so let's go back to the drawing board and fix it. And so when we did that with the the war narrative and then we did that again with the virus narrative, we realized very quickly that both of them had issues in them. Both of them were in some ways misinforming or misinterpreting kind of the issues at stake, right? So an idea of like a battle narrative has this notion of like soldiers and front lines and like hardened battle lines online. And we know that conspiracy, disinformation, fake news, all of that stuff doesn't wait for your like opponents to set up their trench. It's not attempting to kind of have like a 1v1 battle. It's just trying to find where it can. It's trying to move through unique ways. And so the war narrative didn't really function as we wanted it to. And so when we were looking at the viral one, we thought, well, maybe because viruses kind of move through efficiency, they move through trying to find a good host. And so we thought maybe you know, misinformation moving through the system could reflect that well. The problem there is that when you look at the concept of an infodemic, even like the World Health Organization will talk about how we need to flatten the curve of this misinformation. And it's this idea that you're just trying to reduce it so that you can vaccinate it with truth is this kind of analogy that functions. And when you start to simulate in that the game, you realize the idea of like a vaccination of truth is really ineffective for understanding what's going on here to tell us that we can just find like a, a one solution to the problem of fake news is it's ineffective. It's never going to function because it's so much easier to make misleading content. It's so much easier to make lies online and spread them than it is to stop them. So even if you come up with like, you know, we know that this fallacy, this falsehood is wrong and here's the facts to prove it. By the time you've done that, more misinformation's already come up somewhere else. So this idea of like a viral vaccination able to stop it is not effective. And so from there, the research project really realized that we need to view the social media landscape and how we're addressing the issues on it, both positive and negative, as like an ecology, as like an ecosystem, where there's so many different actors, there's so many different spaces where what happens on one network, so in the game, what happens in Reddit, would maybe influence what's happening in TikTok or Instagram or Facebook. And recognizing that the moderators there still have some connection to what's going on somewhere else, because someone could spread the same lie on one platform and another platform, but those moderators don't have the same relationship because they're hired by the company or volunteers for the platform. And so... The project really looked at this idea of like media as an ecology and as a research kind of finding, it looked at kind of how these analogies failed or struggled to properly demonstrate to us as a public or a people how the problems of fake news and misinformation exist and kind of push us towards thinking about all of the different actors involved. That it's not just, you know, it's not just an algorithm on the platform that's leading to the spread of misinformation. It's not just one user sitting in their mom's basement with a hood on, you know, typing away, spreading lies. It's, it's really an ecosystem where even you and me as a user is part of this, of what we do and say and what we scroll past, what we choose to like or, or share influences what is going to be popular in these spaces. And so I think as a finding that's really helpful for at least scholars and you know public literacy individuals who are thinking about how do we frame this to people to help them understand because when we talk about social media it's still really abstract like we know the apps on our phone but it's still a very abstract thing to think about like what does that look like what does that mean to mean like it's spreading through social media and so the game was really helpful in kind of grounding those kind of abstract ideas into something that we could test and explore fantastic and how do we get our hands on a copy of the game 
Yeah, so the game is free to play. Um, it's a board game, so you will have to do some work yourself in the sense of you'll have to download it, print it, and cut out some of the pieces. Or you can do the thing that I do and borrow pieces from existing board games if you're an avid board gamer. Um, the game will be available on the um, Algorithmic Media Observatory website for people to download. I will also have it on my own personal itch.io in the future, so I can't actually give you a link right now because it's not up yet. Um, but I'd be happy to share that once it's out. And you can always follow me on my Twitter um, to kind of keep up to date on when the game's officially out. Uh, and then in about a month's time after the game's official release, we'll be dropping the educational content, including like the lesson plans and stuff. And even though today's conversation is in English, um, the game will be available in French as well. Um, so it's been fully translated, um, and that will be dropped at the same time as when it's available online for download. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Scott. It was uh, great talking to you. Yeah, it was a wonderful time. Thanks so much. All right, take care. If you have an idea for a podcast, please let us know. You can contact us by email at info.for at concordia.ca or find us on social media at cu4thspace. We'd love to hear from you. This episode of the 4th Space podcast is hosted by me, Maximus Delmar, and produced with Anna Waklevec and Douglas Moffat. Editing by myself and Chanel Lees Marshall. Social media and web support by Kari Volmstead and Jacqueline Wexler. And our theme music, courtesy of Supercontinent. Thanks again for listening.